If New Balance only made one running shoe, it would be the 1080. It is their best running shoe, period. With fine-tuned underfoot cushioning and an overall streamlined look, the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 represent a subtle but impactful evolution of the flagship Fresh Foam running shoe. The 1080 offers a supportive second skin style fit with an engineered hypo knit upper for a more streamlined overall design. Welcome to episode number 232 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Um, kind of uh, not too big this week in the running news department, but we've got all the usual segments, so thanks for giving us a bit of your attention. And um, yeah, hopefully we can keep you company if you're going out for a run or doing whatever you're doing. Uh, interview this week, Charlie Hunter Part 2, so they'll be coming to you at the end. Welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, as always, Bradley Croker. How are you going? Good, Brady. School holidays have begun, so... I was tempted this morning to like go, oh, school holiday training camp and just like start doing doubles every day. But I'm like, oh, no, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. Yeah, it's a good time of the year for school teachers, but a rough first term croaks. School teaching, COVID, ripping through schools, absentees. It's been hard. It's been hard where I am. I'm not sure how you've gone, but pretty uh, happy to see holidays. Yeah, oh, it's been all right for me. Like, I guess one good thing as a relief teacher with people being off work, it meant there was plenty of work plenty for me. Of work, so, yeah. Yeah. That's it, my other co-host down in Anglesey, fresh off his uh, Surf Coast Track Club camp down there, Julian Spence, how you going? Going pretty good, mate, just, yeah, camp finished up yesterday and had the day off today, so it was nice to have a little relax. Hey Moose, you getting down to Bells Beach to watch any of the surfing? We did go down to Bells today actually, so it's a bit of a bit of a trek really, you got to park in the paddocks out the back of the, uh, of the cliffs and, and then resident like locals get get in for free so we we took advantage of that and then wandered down um it was it's awful conditions at the moment like they there's not a very good outlook either so they had to run it today and it was windy it's like onshore and you're on the cliffs in the grandstand or you're on the beach basically they're the two options and it, the wind sort of just whips straight into you no matter where you are so it's it's not the most enjoyable viewing uh, and the surf's average so like there aren't a lot of waves getting ridden during each heat but i was down there for the the, the local wild card what's really cool about the ripkel pro is they run a trials event before the before the actual competition and and normally a local will um w- like surf his way through the event to to get a spot in the main draw and so i got to watch him today his name's Tully Wiley and he's from Torquay Board Riders but the, the the cool thing about that is the the grandstands are packed with his mates and his family so uh every time he got a wave like the crowd went crazy and that that he, he didn't get through but it was still cool to watch mm, interesting how do you know about this stuff Crokes you're a surfing uh, fan no I just 
um, on Fox. It was on on TV yeah. this, today. So yeah, all, and deal. always know always know it's around Easter as well. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. It goes over Easter weekend, doesn't it? Well, yeah. a, it, it's got a wait period, so they can they basically wait until the surf's good. So sometimes if the surf's not not good on Easter weekend, then then it doesn't run. And it, a lot of the time, it, they run it like the day after everyone leaves from the Easter break, and so it's just because the surf's better that day. Uh, it's it it must be hard the decision makers there because they obviously want to create a good crowd experience but they won't run this run it if there's shit sir mm. yeah it's like jack rayner's 10k pb remember bowman changed the race 24 hours later because it was, was, gonna, mention, I was gonna mention that yeah, yeah. Well, i thought we better start talking about running at some stage in this podcast <laughs> that was a good little link in yeah. uh who wants to go first croce you tell me about your week because you're uh you've done a bit more running the moose and you had the big Canberra marathon festival in town up your way on the weekend yeah, I had a, an interesting week. Actually, it feels like a long time ago since last Monday because the first – so I, I had planned to have a bit of a down week, um, but it also coincided with having a bit of a cold. Um, like nothing nothing major, like just – I think I mentioned it last week, sort of runny nose, sneezing a bit, and then had a bit of a sore throat. Um, so Monday – basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I did the same thing. I just went and ran for an hour, um, all between sort of four tens and and four fifteens. Uh, Tuesday, I went and had a COVID test um, just to make sure because uh, I was meant to work Wednesday. Um, and that came back negative. Um, so the other first three days, nothing, nothing special. And then we started to get a fair bit of rain. So Thursday, I uh, just jumped on the treadmill for my sort of forty-five minutes or so that I normally do. So um, it was actually. Yeah, just over 10k in sort of 46 minutes and then friday like i wanted to do like one session during the week um i didn't really know i hadn't really decided until i you know jumped warmed up and i thought oh, i'll just do a progression run because you know there's a fair bit of flexibility there like you start off at a pace that you know you could hold for the whole run uh and if you feel good you just sort of pick it up so i did 15 minutes uh, at 17k an hour, which is around 3:30s, uh, and then felt alright. So I did another 15 minutes at 17 and a half, which is about 3:25s, um, and then just made it um, up to 35 minutes. So I pumped it up again for five minutes at 3:20 per kilometre. So uh, just over 10k at I guess 3:28 on the treadmill. Um, that felt pretty good. Heart rate um, would have averaged, I think, just under just under 160 for the whole 35 minutes. Did you jump and, off there, Croaks? I'm just looking at the graph in between the first and second 15. No. So what happens there? Yeah, what is happens with the, there? Yeah. So with the Coros, so, and this is what I like about the Coros is you can actually. So you know how with the Garmin's often it just it tries to work it out based on I guess how your your arms or your legs or I don't know how how the algorithm works, but with the Coros when you go into treadmill you can actually just um, set what pace the treadmill's on. So for the first 15 minutes, I just set it, like I basically tell my watch that, yep, it's going to be 17K an hour. But then to to change it, you have to sort of hit pause, scroll down to 17.5K an hour, then press go again. So that's that's where that drop is off. So the treadmill hasn't actually stopped. It's more just me playing with my watch during that period. Yeah, because there's only so, eight seconds elapsed time difference. So, yeah, you obviously haven't stepped off. That's just you quickly changing your watch for two or three seconds, jump back yeah. on. Yeah, so yeah. moving so moving time's thirty five minutes, but the elapsed time's thirty five ten. So that's yeah. basically nine seconds worth of me just playing with the watch in between the 
in between, you know, pumping up the treadmill. But yeah, it was all, function. All, all, all continuous. Glad I asked that question. Did you know that, mm. Moose? Didn't know that. Not a bad function yeah. on the old Coros. Yeah, which is, it's really good for my easy runs where I just where I don't change the treadmill pace. I just started at say twelve and a half k an hour for my thirty five minutes, and just set set the watch twelve and a half k an hour. Press go when the treadmill gets up to that speed, and it you know I know that then it's accurate in terms of the um the distance that I'm getting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, is but what does it run off though? Well, it just runs off time. It basically you know it just says well if you're running twelve and a half k and if you're running 12 and a half K an hour yeah. and you do that for 60 minutes, it's going to be 12 and a half K. Well, yeah, if the treadmill's right. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've made a couple of remarks about this the last couple of weeks, Moose. Do you think it's not right? <laughs> no one's treadmill's right. <laughs> you know whose is definitely wrongs? wrong? Uh, Croaks's? No, nah, I reckon Croaks are right, but um, Aaron <laughs> Scott over in the UK, did you see some of the workouts he oh, was doing mate. a month ago? You know, remember like, this when guy you got... this fit. <laughs> He rocked up to run a um, half marathon a few months ago and he thought he was in like 66 shape, ran about 73 minutes. But I And I actually thought he would run about 73 minutes. So I thought it was a good run. But it was just funny that his treadmill, I reckon, or, or some of it, he'd been thinking he was in some amazing shape, but he wasn't really. Yeah, he's actually threshold reps at like 303 pace and stuff. Yeah. See, I don't... I don't really care whether the treadmill is accurate or not because I'm not I'm not gauging shape off what the treadmill is telling me, but I can compare week from week. So, like for example, if I jump on one week and I'm doing 17k an hour for my 30 minute tempo and my heart rate's 160, and then the next week I'm doing 17 and a half k an hour on the treadmill for the same heart rate, like I know I'm getting fitter because yes, yes. yeah. We, so that that's how it. I that's how I use it. That's how everyone um, use it. Compare treadmill also, to treadmill. But I was also looking back. I have not done a long continuous session outside since before my calf and COVID. The only sessions I've done outside in that time have been track sessions um, and basically heel sessions. They, so, make, they make you soft. <laughs> a little bit, but I'm like, but I enjoy it. Like I seriously love going out there on a Friday afternoon and just doing a treadmill session. Oh, um, it's not even you, winter yet yeah. as well. Right. Uh, Do you know who they don't make soft? Yakabinga Britson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Everything, everything you say from now on, let's just refer back to Yakabinga Britson and just check your comment a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I, I really like it. Um, yeah. So then that brings me to Saturday uh, because I was going to be out at the marathon um, or the running festival on the Sunday morning, handing out drinks, um, and that started at quarter past six. I didn't think i'd feel like doing my long run like after that so i decided to do my long run on saturday um and actually put the um new balance 1080 uh version 12s on for the first time and um, i ran from home as well which i don't often do for long runs mainly because um well the reason why i did it this week was we'd had a fair bit of rain and so i didn't want to take brand new shoes out on like really really wet trails plus i find this shoe is a little bit better on the road anyway um so i ran from home down to mulligans um but i only did like you know 7k on the on the trails and the part that i ran uh, the trails were actually pretty pretty good um and yeah i got rolling like it was down it's downhill from home um and you end up averaging 401s for two hours so 30 odd k um the last 5k was like solid like so it was a gradual uphill back home 
Um, and yeah, like I was rolling sort of three forty fives, but um, yeah, because it was Saturday and like for, like I had a pretty easy week, and it was going to be three and a half days until I did my next session. I was happy to um, happy to get rolling a little bit, and um, like shoes were great. So like we'll talk about that a little bit more um, during the episode, but uh, yeah. So and, and actually, it meant like I pulled up really well on the Sunday. So then Sunday morning went out. Um, yeah, got up pretty early handed out drinks to my athletes and then because I had it was almost like a bit of activation or a bit of a shakeout because I was sort of jogging around the course a little bit like probably only covered I don't know three or four kilometers in total but then when I went out for my run on Sunday uh, what mid-afternoon or early afternoon I felt so good um, so I averaged four tens for an hour so it was a uh, yeah a week of 100 and 117k um, just in singles one sort of moderate session and and a bit of a sort of up tempo towards the end of the long run yeah that's a big long run but what about the workout on the treadmill on the friday night and then doing that at the end of your long run on a saturday morning christian brought it to my attention and i think it's silly i think you got to respect it so respect the workout to not do that on your long run the next morning yeah it wasn't a it wasn't a hard workout though um like average 158 heart rate for 35 minutes like it's not it's not that difficult and also in terms of my my standard long runs like this is an easier long run than when i do my two hours out at mulligans when i do all of it out at mulligans because i'm on the um you know most like what 28 22k of it was on bike paths so it's, it's a lot easier to get rolling on bike paths um and sometimes actually fine if I run a little bit harder towards the end of a long run. Like yeah, definitely like the last five k was was up tempo, but it I don't know like I felt felt great the next day. Um, so yeah. Anyway, and, and look, I just don't want you in, injured, Brad. That's all. Nah, it's all right. Look, I don't have a session, so I finished that run at ten thirty on Saturday, and I basically don't do a session until six o'clock Tuesday night. Yeah, but I'm not talking about what's coming up. I'm talking about what happened in the twenty four hours before that. Like stress, yeah. respect the stress, recover, stress your body again. That's. I reckon if Brady did this, you'd be all over him, Bradley. Bloody oath. Possibly, but this um, is, this is yeah. Inga, Inga Britsons do two sessions a day. They never run thirty k at four minute k pace yeah. and punch the last five k after workouts. That is a workout in itself. You didn't need right. the extra five k. Hey, it was a good. It's a good advertisement for the shoes that we're plugging this week. Oh, yeah, well, we've actually got a ten minute, ten to twelve minute segment coming up about the shoes. We don't need that in this uh, this part here when you're trying to defend this this long run. Uh, yeah. so I don't. Who do you know, Moose, man. who's doing long runs at four minute mm. K pace? Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Brett Robinson. Mm. I Jack, said it was. I said, I said it was up tempo towards the end. I, mm. I, I guarantee. I tell you what, though, the first half, the first ninety minutes was very comfortable. You very must be ridiculously fit. Because you're doing the same thing that very fit people do. You hear this a lot, don't you, Brad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brady. Well, that's you're what like, Christian put in, just cruising. Just cruising. Just yeah, cruising. just cruising. Very easy. But I'll run a marathon probably 20 seconds slower than this pace. Well, you've kind of you've worked the last 5K at similar pace to your threshold the day before. See, you say my marathon, I mean, my marathon pace is 4.20 at the moment. Me. You're running four-minute pace. Yeah, and you said, I'd run a marath- you said I'd run a marathon 20 seconds slower than oh, this. Oh, well, it'd be about three, 340s, I reckon. It's right just now. a risky thing to do when you don't have a race coming up. Yeah, no required. Not, Not required, required to be pushing the yeah. envelope like that. I agree with you right. on this one. Maybe I should have just... Maybe I should have just done some 62-second 400s instead. I'm going to get to that in my week, actually, because I had some fans write in about that. Uh-huh. Moose, you're up next. How many Ks you do for the week, Croaks? 117. Yeah. Moose? I'm up next. Yeah, well, I... Take it. 
I did 117k less than that. <laughs> so I just kept on uh, just rolling my no running rest rest week, but was in the gym a couple of times. So did some good gym workouts and progressing in there, like managing to do some good exercises. I think for my uh, VMO or and my glutes, and then I also uh, well sneak sneak look at the purchase of the week i got myself a, a mountain bike so that my current mountain bike has a i went to get it serviced the other day they said it has a crack in the frame it's a car it's a carbon bike they said you shouldn't ride it anymore or you can go to like a carbon person to get it fixed or something so i'm like oh shit well probably need a new one so i ended up buying a second hand one and it's really nice like it has gears on it my other bike is single speed which i like the simplicity but having gears it makes it so much more enjoyable going uphill so i got that on thursday night and yeah was out was out cycling on friday friday morning and then saturday rode with the group while they did a workout down at the camp and then sunday got out for the long run and yeah, just getting on the bike a bit. It's going to help me with my quad strength, which will help me with my patella tracking. Um, but yeah, the camp was good. You want to hear about the camp? Yeah, I actually had a, a member of the camp give me some updates as it was going, which How's is good. That? All professional stuff too. My reply to him was, um, I wish you put this much work into the Inside Running podcast. That was my response. Yeah, I can't take credit for the I camp. I heard it was though. fantastic. Yeah, tell All us right. a bit about though, because the listeners haven't heard what I've heard. All right, well... The camp, the camp started. We we met on Friday down at Anglehook. It's called a holiday park, holiday camp or something. Um, but but it's just a it's a space right next to you know, like the Otway National Park or it might be State Park. Uh, but it's it's on a dirt road where Ali and I do a lot of workouts right near a good trail. And yeah, we met everyone there and then headed down to the pub. For, to start our run so we we started and finished at the pub on friday night we we got epic weather the weather was all time down here this weekend so friday night kind of sunset running along along the cliffs at aries it couldn't really have scripted it any better especially for the start of the camp uh so yeah that was friday night and um had a, like friday we did like a little q a with ali that night talking about her olympic experience stuff like that and then Saturday morning, woke up and did a workout. So everyone had a very similar workout. We kind of we did a moose fart look out and back. So it, it was it's great when you have a lot of people doing an out and back to a time sort of frame because you turn around all at the same time. And then it's sort of like a uh, if done if everyone has a perfect session, you all finish at the same time at the same spot. Uh, back at the start line but it was really nice again we did that on a hilly road so i think a lot of the um a lot of the crew were used to doing flat workouts so this sort of shook shook a couple of them um we generously made it downhill on the way back that helped a few out that went out too hard um i actually had to race off to the store after that but then jess rothwell came down so the aa dietitian and she talked gave a presentation on on nutrition and and running and then after that, Ali took a strength and conditioning session. Uh, that's where I got back. I went out on the bike for the second, the afternoon run. Um, 
had all like our dinners sort of we catered for all the food and stuff and then um after that i gave a little presentation on on training and then next morning long run so long run through the bush uh this one here like we definitely underestimated how much of a shock a really hilly single track kind of course is to someone who's not used to it so that's probably <laughs> we sort of killed a few runners out there on the long run but the and it also got warm so it probably got up to like mid-20s by the end of the run so everyone was um kind of feeling a little gassed but very nice run uh through the bush through the coast it was it was awesome so yeah that was the camp that's that was friday afternoon to to sunday midday and um it was really well like i mean i didn't organize much of it laney renee one of our coaches she's great at this stuff so she did it she put it together and um and then it all kind of flowed really well we got some we got some changes to make if we do another one which we probably will uh but like all in all it was a really good weekend yeah good initiative i like it yeah it was good and even like Every so many, I had we had Gunther there. No, Gunther was on the camp, two twenty-one guy, and then we had like some people that hadn't like that would run an easy run at six and a half minute k's. So just a, a really wide mix of, of um, experience levels. Did Gunther uh, pay for a spot, or did he get a free one because he's a coach? I can only pay for a spot. That's We're not right. a charity. Because he got heaps of money, that guy. So it's making sure that he's spending some of it. That's true, and look, we appreciated him coming down, providing the uh, the, the token fast runner for the, yeah. the trip. He smacked um, up everyone in the moose fight, like didn't he? That's what I heard. Of course he did. Well, yeah, I mean he was pretty good, but there were some other runners that sent. The trick with that is sandbagging the first half. Yeah. So you look Turned like around. an absolute gun on the way back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you about my week. Eh? I was coming off run for the kids, so it was all about recovery. And I kind of, I, I kind of run not off a program when I come off a race because I think too many people get caught in the trap of it's Tuesday we've got to do a workout because it's Tuesday. So I don't have anything planned until my body kind of tells me that I'm feeling all good. And I was banged up like those hills, as I say most weeks on this podcast. There's no hills in Chukamoama, so when I go on them, they um yeah they smack the legs up a bit. So 60 minutes at 4:59s, boys. That's pretty slow jogging. Uh, it Monday is for morning, an hour. It is yeah. for an hour. You can you can do thirty minutes of that, yeah. but normally after the first thirty, you'll start picking it up. So mm. the sixty minute runs will normally end up a lot faster. There was no picking it up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes slow the first couple of k's, and then I can get rolling a bit. But the, I, I think they were four fifty fives like towards the end as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was slow, and you just got to stick to it. Like I wasn't looking at it, just looking at stopwatch, and just being like, just whatever's coming out of your body, accept that, and don't try and push it. Because that's the theme, like recover, recover, recover. And then um, 30 minutes of the Arvo, 4.54. Bit better Tuesday, 70 minutes at 4.36s. And like a significant improvement. Like I felt a whole lot better than I did 24 hours earlier. And then 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.47s. And then Wednesday is probably the day I started to feel better. But I just wanted to give it an extra 24 hours. um, Just to make sure, just not pushing an envelope, just make sure everything was all good before I started like adding in the stress of like a medium long run or a workout. Um, so that was 60 minutes at 4.37s in the morning and then the afternoon 30 minutes at 4.31s, which is pretty standard for me whenever I'm near the 4.30s. I know it's kind of, um, yeah, kind of regular jogging pace. And then Thursday I did a workout 
And because it was my only workout for the week, I wanted to combine it. Like I didn't just want to do a track workout and I didn't just want to do a threshold workout. So I did four by four minutes at threshold. So hovering around that kind of like 311, 312 pace off a 70 second jog between. And then I got myself back to the car, got in my spikes and got onto the grass um, athletics track and did five by 400. And the idea with this was to settle well, kind of not settled because it was pretty pretty hard to kind of hit these paces at 1500 meter pace so around about like 64 65 and then work the last one home to really get that feel of what it's going to be like in the last lap at at stall um this coming monday so i went 64 66 66 65 and 62 um but much harder on the grass than it was compared to shepparton the week before this is this is the track where I have the two second a lap rule. It's just like a paddock. There's no, yeah, no one's mowing it like it's an athlete's track or anything like that. So those times don't look great, but they're quicker than that on a decent track. Um, and I was doing that off a minute. Then I got Spikes. out. Yeah, dragonflies. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you have to, don't you? Like if you're going to race in them, you've got to get in them. And it's the next percent's no good on the grass, I find. So I really don't have an option unless I'd maybe go an old pair of like Nike streaks um, yeah. or the New Balance. What was the original one? The green one, fluoro green with the little grippy thing on the bottom. RC Elite. That's the one. Yeah, the one that you love, Crokes. Is that that one? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good on the grass, especially because like, they run the sprinklers. It's just like a, it's not a great place to run fast. But um, but the good thing is when you do go to Shep or when you hopefully go to Stall or Bendigo or whatever and get on a good track, the same effort feels a whole lot um, or get you a whole lot quicker time. Then I got out for 30 minutes in the Arvo, uh, 441s. Chris Hill, a big fan of the Bendigo Bats podcast, boys, so that's good. Chris Hill, long-time listener, so good to know we got an extra listen there after I gave a shout-out last week. Friday was the last day of school for the term. Had a shocking night's sleep. This was um, this was a combination of things. It was the night I interviewed Jeff Risley, and it was a pretty long interview, so I don't think I got off air until about 10 p.m., so I got into bed pretty late because I was pretty wired after that. And then Hudson had another shocking sleep. I thought it was meant to be all, once you got the kids sleeping through the night croaks, it was all good. I thought it, uh, they, I throw, thought, they always throw a curveball at you. Yeah, the, the newborn's meant to be giving us trouble, but all of a sudden Hudson's just been piping up a bit. Mm. So um, well, then, then, you, then you have to get up because then they start going to the toilet on their own, but yeah. you still have to get up when they go to the toilet. So well, yeah. yeah, Lily's up two or three times a night. Well, he's just about to move out of a cot as well. Like now he'll be able to do what he wants. So that's going to cause some some issues in the next couple of weeks. But this was one of the ones where I just ended up grabbing him, taking him to the spare bed, chucking him next to me, pretty much putting him in a headlock and just saying, stay there for the next couple of hours. But he was just reeling all night, had a shocking night's sleep. So Friday, I just did 30 minutes before work at 4.42s, pretty cooked. And then I got out for 45 minutes in the afternoon at 4.27s. But yeah, still pretty tired. Saturday, easy hour in the morning. Listen to uh, Hamish Blake on the Imperfects podcast. That was good. A few laughs there. And then I did like six 200 metres just out the front of my house. Um, put on, what shoes did I put on for this? Can't even remember. I reckon I put those New Balance ones on that we are just talking about, the fluoro green ones, and just set. So I don't know how accurate this is. Tell me what you think about this. Set 200 metre intervals on my watch, like laps, and then pretty much have my watch running. And then I just get a bit of a roll and start hit lap on my watch and pretty much just sprint until it beeped down a straight road you reckon it's pretty accurate mm, it's always i always find those auto laps pretty 
pretty dodgy. Yeah, it's, and it's it, such it's a short period like, of time. Yeah, it kind of feels like it anticipates the um, the mm. end of the rep. Because yeah. it gives you a five-second countdown. No, yeah. no, no, this wasn't, <laughs> no, no. This wasn't, this was just the laps. No five-second countdown. Uh, this was just, you know, if you have your watch set to beep every K. Like, yeah, yeah this was just that. I'd set my oh, okay. watch to beep every two minutes. Uh, sorry, 200 meters. So, mm, yeah, and then I'd, gotcha. I'd hit lap and then just pretty much run in a straight line until my watch beeped and then jog back again. But they were kind of like 28, 29, 30s, um, jogging super slow back, just trying to get a bit of speed in the legs. Um, easy half an hour Saturday night. And then Sunday went out to Barmer. Haven't been out there for ages. Uh, Archie and Glenn out there. They did an hour 45. I did two hours. And yeah, one of those ones where we got about oh, 15 minutes into their run so i was probably half an hour in and we just started rolling low four minutes and then i just said nah let's just let's just switch back off to 420s here boys like it's a long season coming up archie raced the night before that collingwood classic did you see that result you know a beery uh, saw your saw your instagram you know a beery who we were talking about last night the ethiopian guy oh yeah yeah they've had a big head-to-head those two guys archie took him down for 62 second last lap flying so um, I don't think Abiri was too happy about that because he, he had a 63-second last lap left in him. But, um, yeah, Archie smoked him in that last lap. So we'll, we'll recap on that race and just run along the river. And, yeah, that was my week, 152. But um, a few things happening, boys. The stall handicaps are out for next Monday. Paying attention to this. Probably not now as aren't racing. No. 130 metres they've given me. I'm, I'm the front marker. I'm the worst guy in the best race. Well, that's good for you. That's pretty. That's a pretty um, decent handicap. 130. Nah, I'll have to yeah. run the race, race my life to win oh. this. Nitter's off 100. He's a big chance. I reckon he'll start favour off 100 metres, so he's 30 metres back. Jeff Risley's off zero metres. He's a scratch man. Um, who else do the listeners know? I don't know. There's a whole list of people here. Just See, these. But the thing is, they've taken your they've taken your 1500 metre race that you did, and that was a that was the day after you raced the 5k. Yeah, so big countries. Yeah, so you're better than you're better than four hundred four or whatever you ran. Hopefully, that's you've got to be better than your handicap yeah, so, to try and win it. So, yeah, yeah, but the point is, you're better than four hundred four. You you were better than four hundred four when you ran four hundred four. So your handicap should be better than what what they've given you. Yeah, I get what you mean. But then because I haven't raced, they haven't got... But I'm pretty open yeah, in my so training. Yeah, you basically just run... Yeah, so it's called running dead and then getting a good handicap and then winning. Well, I, haven't, I, didn't run, I didn't run did. dead at Vic Country. I tried you to did, win it. You ran, a, you ran a bloody 5K the day before. Yeah, but remember I was trying to push the pace to run under four minutes and no one yeah, would push the pace you're not going to run your best 1,500 metres if you've run a 5K 12 hours before. Yeah, that was pretty slow, that 5K, though. Just a big <laughs> kick finish. Yeah. Anyway, they, they really don't like that, Brady, when you do that. Mm. I haven't. I am the most transparent person with my training. I talk on a podcast about it every week. What I'm you doing. You might have I'm to give your money to, back at the end. I'm not <laughs> trying to hide stuff. No, it's very. They've handicapped. I was talking to Nitter about it before. Like, there's a 152 guy starting. Is it 20 meters behind me? And I think he's around 356. Like, yeah, it's there's a 349 guy, maybe like 70 meters behind me. Like, it's going to be. It's definitely not handed to me. It's going to be an interesting race. But once a gun goes, I'm just going to have to fang it. Like, being on the front mark with two other guys, and then there's guys 10 metres behind us, then 20 and 30 and 40, all the way back to zero. So it's going to be a um, good spectacle. Bruce McAvaney's doing the commentary. Did you see that announcement? I did see that. that How was good's cool. that? I'm, look, I'm hoping it does our race and not just the, like, sprints. So um, I'm yeah. thinking it's just the sprints, to be honest. You reckon? Uh, paid, paid per race. 
They're not going to pay him for you. I reckon they'll pay him for the whole couple of hours of coverage. No, I don't think so. So that's going to be Easter Monday, boys. Ten years since I won it last time, so a few years between drinks with stall sashes. So, um, yeah, listeners, get on your couch, cheer for me on the TV, please, and uh, hopefully I can hold off all the big dogs trying to chase me down. Brad and I might... Oh, what? I'll, I'll be at work, but Brad and I could almost try and live stream it, and we could do a... Uh, we could do a... Like a call. We could... We could Watch you party could you could turn Bruce off and listen to us. <laughs> you could, you could. Yeah, I don't know about that. but um, Probably do, probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, That's just nice. maybe you guys can just, uh, even for the overseas listeners, maybe just hold hold your, hold your video camera on your phone at the screen and put it on our Instagram or something like that because I'm not sure how they'll watch it. Don't, it's a bit of a joke that if you want to watch me as a front marker anyway because there's a lot of quality guys behind me, but hopefully it's going to be a good race. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just getting over there and having a go. I was going to pick your brain, Croaks. Any um, week before suggested workouts to sharpen for a 1500? Because I've only ran two 1500s in seven years. I actually don't know what I'm doing. And because you're not allowed to wear watches in these, like, say I've got to run four minutes off my mark, mm. you're not allowed to wear a watch in your race. And you're also not allowed to look behind you. You get fined if you do that stuff or disqualified. So What, if you look behind you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's heaps no. of No. Yeah. What? Because that's the... Not a racing. No, because the whole thing is when the gun goes, you run as hard as you can to the finish line. So if you're looking behind you and going... No, so and what happens is people look behind them and go, you know what, I'm winning this easy, I'm going to jog this in, and then not show your full potential of your race. There's very that, different rules in pro running. Like you'll get, you'll get disqualified if you look behind to see where someone is. During the race. Like I'm sure if it's like over the finishing straight and you look around to see if you've got it sealed... But if you if you're say two laps in and you're starting to look over your shoulder, there they don't like that at all. Like they'd be an infringement. So I've got another intricacy with this racing. Yeah, so you, I thought you've got to be able to pace yourself told, well. No, no, you said the other day like it teaches you how to win. Mm. How that doesn't teach you. That's well, teach you how to win because you've got to get your tactics right because you don't have a watch and you've got to. It's like you've got to know where you are in the position of the race. So, like, the year I won, I won off, I think it was... How are you going to know without looking around? I know, that's a thing, yeah. So I reckon I won off 80 metres, which meant we had we had people, like, 25, 30 metres in front. So you've got to worry about catching the front markers, but you've also got to make sure you're running honest enough that the back markers aren't going to catch you. So it's like this whole, you can never really relax because you're getting hunted and, you know, well, not for me this year because I won't be hunting anyone because I'll have no one in front of me. But it's um yeah, it's an interesting concept. I knew, yeah, I knew near that. So Croaks, give me some what do I do this week? I need one good track workout to prime me for a fight for a fifteen hundred. Uh, or fourteen hundred and seventy. We used to do some like three hundreds, but also I always found like a, a hard eight hundred meter mm. race, like in the lead up to a fifteen was good. It just made fifteen hundred meter pace feel a bit bit easier. What about two by eight hundred? But trying to do them at mile pace or fifteen hundred pace, with decent recovery. Yeah, big recovery. Yeah. Because I, I actually, I want that feeling of like you know how you can kind of wing a three hundred meters. Yeah, or well, you could even do like you a have broken, to do a lot of them. You can even do a broken thing where you run like a you run six hundred meters at fifteen hundred meter pace. Yeah. Then you have short recovery and then you try and run a three hundred. So you do like yeah. maybe two sets of that because you know you, you're pretty lactic from the 600, and then that last 300 almost replicates 
the back end of a 15. Yeah, that's what I want, that wobbly yeah. feeling where you're still going to run fast on wobbly. So do a, yeah. do a hard hard 600, short recovery, and now hard 300. And then that's and it, or you do a, two of those? We'll maybe, maybe try and do a couple of sets of that. Okay. But you, you have to have pretty good recovery between the two sets. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then my other thing here, Moose, this was uh, last week. You you didn't like my 400-meter workout. But then I had a had one of your athletes write in recommending that you or telling me that you'd set her a harder workout than that one. You know what I'm talking oh, about it here? Because you were included in the one. same message. Olympian Ali Pashley wrote in, reckoned you were being too hard on me because you once set her 20 by 400 of 45 seconds in 70 seconds, which is mm, quicker no. than her 3K pace. She mm. didn't do it. No, no. She she did 72 to 73 seconds. But right. she said she workout had to argue. No, no, workout was adjusted because, like, that's what you do. Just she she didn't do the workout that was, like, originally written because we discussed and we said, yeah, that's too hard. Okay. So we changed that, didn't we? We changed it, Brady. So that wasn't the workout that, was, that she did. Still, that's, a very, that's way harder than what I did. And then a listener pointed this out, that before, like, BWA sent me a screenshot, you did 20 by 400 off 30 seconds in 67, which is quicker than your 5K pace. So I reckon yeah. it's a bit a bit hypocritical. I'm happy to Brad. accept your apology. Brad, Brad's not involved here because I'm happy to agree to disagree with Crooks about I, training I, stuff. I, I, can, you I'm ha- can you remind I, Brady what I ran at BWA? I'm happy Exactly. To, it's a great workout to prep you. I'm happy to agree that Moose is very hypocritical and changes <laughs> the rules depending on yes, uh, what you. suits him at the time. Um, but I still think your session was too hard. It was, good, it was a good session. And you guys are talking about these workouts off 45 and 30. You know, I had three minutes and 56 seconds after my 12th rep. You know how much you recover in that time? I reckon yeah, you both lost the plot. workout, isn't it? Well, it worked terrible right for workout. Archie when he had to kick down at 62 seconds to beat a beer on, on Saturday. That was Saturday that workout. Then you gave him a different workout. Well, he actually, I he thought... He didn't even do that workout. I he thought, did tempo. No, no, well, short stuff. I, I thought his was a tempo, but then I looked right. back on it. He ran 2.5K at 3.02K pace. His was harder than me doing five reps at That's at his 70s. threshold pace now. I know. He's in shape. Anyway, so I accept your apology. Thanks to Ali Pashley for writing in. Christian I also disagree. wrote in. I still, think I'm, I still think I'm right here. Oh, mate, you're doing these same workouts. This took yep. inspiration from you. That's where I got it from. Let's thank some Patreon supporters. Bradley, you're first. All right. I've got Brad Sampson this week. Uh, Brad lives in Eltham in Victoria. And, um, yeah, I've actually been coaching him for just over a year. And uh, about a week ago, him and his wife welcomed Sadie to the family. So congrats. He's now a dad of four. Uh, he's a myotherapist. Yeah, he's got Jeez. four kids now. So um, actually, we were saying off air, Brady, like being down in Cam- at the Canberra Running Festival and like the people that I coach, like most of them have like pretty full on jobs and families and like to fit in all the training that's required is just so inspirational. Like I had, um, so I had 12 people running on the weekend at seven in the marathon and, and all ran PBs like from, you know, basically anywhere from sub 240 to just over four hours and just seeing like how pumped they were, like, and the times that they have to run to get their training in, like they're up at like five in the morning. And it's like, if I had to run at five, in the morning to get my runs done. Like, I don't know whether I'd actually be a runner. So it's, um yeah, it's it's super inspiring. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, so yeah, he's a myotherapist and owns um, Performance Healthcare. 
He also travels and works with the V8 supercar drivers. Um, and so, yeah, since I've been coaching him, sort of been focusing more on half marathon and, and marathon. I uh, recently broke 22 minutes for a 5K recently. Um, actually, last year, he was training for Gold Coast, and he was on the Gold Coast when it got cancelled and decided to just go and basically run a, a marathon sort of solo up there. Um, I think the day after it was meant to be on. But then he went down to Melbourne last year and, and broke his um, – Broke his marathon PB there of 3:41. So um, yeah, he's gearing up for Geelong half and then Gold Coast marathon again this year. So thanks for your support, Brad. Thanks, Geelong man. half, hey, for Brad. Yeah, and then Gold Coast. Yeah. Where's he from, Brad? Where does he actually live? Eltham. Eltham, yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Geelong half's pretty good. You've done that, Brady? No, I haven't actually. It goes along the river, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's got big good prize money, doesn't it? Karina Fife broke the course record no. last year, I reckon, and got some bonus. Oh, maybe if you break a course record, but doesn't, 500 bucks. Who doesn't a beery have the record down there as well? Yeah, I know someone fast has it. Maybe 64 minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, it's quick for that course. Nick Harrison ran there one day um, pretty quick. I think that he was the previous record holder maybe. Okay, you thank your Patreon supporter. I'll see if I can yep. find it. Jared He from Turner in the ACT, but now lives in WA. What does he up, need to update his uh, Strava profile, Brady? Uh, did you add that, Crux? Yeah, I wrote that. So he was in Canberra. Um, he actually came He came to a few of the Tuesday night sessions that we All put right. on. But then, um, yeah, he's moved to WA, I'm guessing, for work recently. But obviously when he signed up for Patreon, he was um, living in Canberra. Got out of there quick, smart, <laughs> Brady. Yeah. Um, Don't 18, him. Yeah. He's, re- he's run 1823 park run at Rockhampton. And then 39, 35, 10K in Fremantle, 128 half marathon in Canberra, 2021. So he's, he's well-traveled runner. Potentially a judge's associate in the Federal Court of Australia. Yeah, probably not that anymore if he's moved from Canberra. I don't what know. Would that, what does that even, what does that mean? I don't know. That's why I put those, those eyes there. It sounds good though, doesn't it? Judge's yeah. associate. That sounds very important. It might be like an sidekick, yeah, yeah, P- PA, <laughs> coffee bitch, paralegal. Is that what they're called? You watched Suits before? Yeah, I watched yeah, Suits. Love Suits. Great, great show. Mm. Yeah. This is something well above our pay grade, I think. Yeah, well, if we don't know what it means, it's probably pretty good. Thanks, Jared, for your support, though. I'm going to thank James Gamble from Woking over in the UK. I reckon they just had a big half marathon over there a couple of weeks ago. A couple of UK running podcasts I listen to talk about the Woking half marathon. So um, that'd be right in James Gamble's neck of the woods. He's got two arm sleeve tattoos, boys. He could be the most inked Patreon supporter we've got. Like, can't even see any skin. It's like he's wearing a long sleeve t-shirt, both sides. Right, okay. Pretty cool dude. Pretty cool guy. Very trendy. He's ran 15.55 for 5K, 33.30 for 10 74.45 for the half and 2.47 for the marathon. And that was at London Marathon last year. So um, what's best there, Moose? Definitely not the marathon. Let me have... Take a bit me, off that. Let me make an assessment on this. Maybe the 5K, Crooks? 15, yeah, 55? I reckon the 5K. Yeah. Maybe fast twitch kind of guy. Which mm. would make sense because fast 5K, twitch guys yeah, have more yeah. tattoos. Easily, easily the 5K. Yeah. So James, Brad, Jared, thank you for your support. Uh, I don't know. 74.55 is pretty good. 
No, yeah. I, no, I reckon it's seventy-four fifty-five. Nah, so so our first ever guest, Trav Haslam, he uh, he hasn't broken sixteen minutes before, but he's run like seventy-three or something for half. That doesn't. We don't use. Uh, we don't. One, because he was the first guest. I still reckon. I still reckon. Uh, Trying to put in the calculator. Nah, fifteen fifty-five equates to one thirteen thirty-five. Yeah, okay. thank you. What about 10K? Uh, 10K is 33.09. Marathon 233.15. Got a bit of work to do there, Jimmy, for that <laughs> marathon. Long, long runs. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon he'd maybe only done a couple, though. So maybe just learning the craft of the marathon. That website they got over there, run is it Run Britain? It actually puts all uh, their PB. They call it something out. They call it Power something of else. 10, that's the other yeah, one. Yeah, that's what they call there's it. There's two yeah. of them, I think. I think there's two. Um, oh yeah, and it when they do it, they um they rate it on they don't list it as their best PBs. It's like rated on like an age grade thing or something. It's actually really confusing to figure out what the actual PBs are. But anyway, boys, tell me something that um costs five dollars. That's equivalent to our Patreon sign up fee. One capsicum. One capsicum. Shit. One month of content against one capsicum. They're is like it, fifteen. They're like fifteen bucks a kilo. Is it red or is it green? Red. Red capsicum. Yeah. Tell you, you, know, you know, another thing that's really, I think, shit value for $5 is you go to one of these, like, boutique patisseries oh, yeah. and, like, the smallest little tart is, yep. like, 6 bucks or something. I agree with you. And that's coming from a bloke whose parents own a bakery. Yeah. That would really shit you, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, it's uh, the, the price of that stuff's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So That's good anyway. for you this week. So just think about that, listeners. How does that stack up compared to our, our monthly content that we put out the Inside Run podcast. Moose, you got something for me? Five bucks? Oh, I, it's one gel. You said that last week. Did I really? Yeah. I tell you what, though, Moose, if you're at, uh, if you're at the 35K mark in the marathon and you're struggling, I reckon you're happy to pay more than $5 for a gel. Yeah, okay. Gee, I don't know. My, my, my life is inside a running store, so that's all I've got for five bucks. Five bucks. Don't you do the supermarket shopping or anything. Nah, that's, that's not my domain. That's not your domain. Do, do you ever find, Croaks, when you stand at that uh, point cheering on people, you coach, that people are throwing away gels? You know, people that are packed too many, trying to sh- get rid of some weight? Yeah, no, I didn't see anybody throw away gels. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a bloody cool day, though. I forgot how good those, like, running festivals are. Mate, that's why you got to get back on start lines. This is what you're missing out on. Yeah, but also, but from a coaching point of view, like, you guys, you guys can relate to this. So following the app, there were like four guys that I coached that were like, I thought, I remember talking to Viv the night before. I'm like, these guys all like want to break three hours and it's like touch and go. It's like depends on the day and you're looking at the app and because the first half of Canberra is like like slightly hillier, you want them to be like conservative and then come home, especially because on um, Sunday there was absolutely no wind on that. You know that long section, mm-hmm. Brady, the main yeah. road? Yeah, so if there's no wind along there, like you can actually get rolling and looking at the app, all four of them at the 40k mark it was basically between 259 45 and three hours and 15 seconds and i'm just like oh my god and so i was at the finish line i'm like nah i can't be at the finish line because you know you can yell like yelling them you know 50 meters from the end you're not going to make up any time whatsoever so bolted down the road to about maybe 400 meters out and as i came through i tried to give them a bit of a rev up like one guy 
I'd said, all right, two minutes to go. And like he, he started sprinting. So I was like, all right, well, he's got plenty left in the tank. He'll make it. And then, you know, he yelled yell at others and they're like trying to go a bit quicker, but just couldn't. And um, like I was, so the last guy that came through, he had 90 seconds to run like, I don't know, it was what, 300 and 300 and something meters. And I'm running next to him and I'm, I'm almost in tears because like he ran three hours one or three hours one, uh, three hours one and 50 seconds or something last year. And I'm basically almost in tears going, mate, today's your fucking day. Come on, you've you got friggin' 90 seconds to go. And um, so the other three guys all got under between 259.30 and 259.45. He was three hours and five seconds. Ooh. It was it was a PB, but you're just like, so oh. The day wasn't his day. Well, it was, it was still a PB. Yeah, yeah. Still, um, but, still an amazing you know, performance. But just seeing we people. We do get too instance, caught up on that, though. Yeah, exactly. Time like it's an arbitrary was, number, yeah. and it's like I'm pretty sure you know you go to somewhere else. Like Canberra's not the quickest course going around, um, but yeah, like I saw one guy, like one guy crawled across the line. Like, and we're talking. What a guy, your coach? No, no, like another guy who like did the whole like collapsed like about ten meters from the line, and people were like, "Do we go to him? Don't they go to him?" And they let him like crawl across the line. Um, but yeah, just people just absolutely rinsing themselves. Yeah, this is the running community. Get amongst yeah. it more. This is what happens yeah. every weekend. So, like, yeah, so obviously you sort of go, oh, maybe it'd be cool to be out there, but also from the coaching point of view, like being there to actually support them, like, you know, through different stages of the race is, is also quite fun and rewarding. Yeah, and the results, yeah. the women's marathon was won by Amani Ponton. She ran 243.27. Jamie Lacey won the men's in 231 231.28. Yeah, we were talking about Marnie potentially going for that uh, world champs time. So you might know more because I think Sean Crichton and maybe Paige Campbell were pacing her and yeah, and what also, happened? And, yeah, so um, there was actually a decent pack. Russell Chin, um, oh, yeah. he jumped in initially as well, uh, and then I spoke to Chin after the race, and he said that they got to make 23 k, and she's like, oh, "Nah, it's like I'm struggling. You, you go." So Chinny basically then just took off, and and um, he finished third and just did his own sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure what her plans were, but I guess it's it's always hard. Like, no doubt she's trying to get a time for either Worlds or Com Games, and I guess you can only sort of chase for so many sort of weeks. You know, like doing Newcastle and then pulling out and then doing Canberra. Like, it's very hard to. You know what it's like. Like you put you put everything generally into one marathon, yeah, even like me- mentally and mm-hmm. physically, and then to try and like you know pull out of a marathon one week and then get yourself up to go again the next week, it's hard to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you need to fully commit to something like that because once it gets into that period where you're on the line and it can go either way, you like you need to invest in that. You need to be fully committed to the the burying of yourself. And you can only do that when there is no second chance, when there is no uh, next day or next race. Do you think, though, I was actually thinking about this a bit before, like, you know how in Australia, like, we're starved of really good quality fast marathons, whereas, like, Europe, you can pull out of one quick marathon and you know that there's a quick marathon, like, the next week or two weeks later. Like, if you lived over there, I reckon it would be very easy to like not commit to the one and pull out because you know that there's something else that you can go to. Yeah, it's so good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, it'd be good and bad because yeah. it would it yeah, would the like safety net. Yeah, yeah, exactly, the safety net. And if you um if imagine can you think if you put let's say you put Berlin or Rotterdam or London or 
Paris, um, and Amsterdam, Hamburg. Put dot six of those around Australia. You reckon anyone runs Melbourne? No. <laughs> Can- Canberra. No. The Canberra, the Canberra thing's already dropping, isn't it? Like at that times that those races just got slower and slower. Maybe yeah. not Marnie's, but the men's definitely. Yeah. So. Like, well, didn't you come fourth one year running like two twenty four, Brett? Yeah, I came third that year, two twenty four. Yeah. In like that was pre pre super shoes too. Um, but like, I guess part of it's prize money. I think it was five hundred dollars for winning the marathon. Uh, where it was definitely more than that when I finished third. So that is obviously going to stop some of the top guys coming yeah. along. Um, the course is not like it's, it's, you know, it's not Great Ocean Road. I'm not that I've run Great Ocean Road, but I'm guessing it's not Great Ocean Road, Hilly, but there's definitely some lumps to the course. Um, so, yeah, but like in terms of the day yesterday, like conditions, other than, you know, for Canberra, it was like on the warmish side but there was absolutely no wind whatsoever. Like, it's the stillest I've ever seen that event. So, um, yeah, and Sam Toll won the, the half in 67.47, and uh, Tennille Ellis won the women's in 77.11. Mm, good. Um, did you guys catch much of the Brisbane Track Classic? There was a mm, I missed, I missed all of it, actually. Missed, missed it was on a weird time, wasn't it? It was like mid, mid-afternoon. Mm. I went back. I haven't watched the 15s. I've only got results here, but I watched the 8s. Uh, Cal Davies won the 15 in 340.6. Jude Thomas was second, 341.1. Sam Tanner from New Zealand was third, also 341.1. And then George Griffiths won the women's, 410.3. Claudia Hollingsworth was second, 410.6. And uh, Jayla Cameron Hancock was third in 415. So um, nothing to report there unless you guys watched him. Or Did you read that in reverse? <laughs> Jay, Jay, uh, was it Hancock Cameron? Did I say Cameron yeah. Hancock? Yeah. Yeah, I was working from left to right. You see how the names are on the left there, the first names? <laughs> yeah. You can see why I've done it, can't you? Uh, well, yeah. That is still a very strange <laughs> thing. <laughs> you don't, I get tired here. I get tired at this uh, hour on a Monday night, Moose. I know. I can tell. you got a baby. got two babies. You're on holidays, mate. You're on holidays. Yeah, holidays are one job. We've still got another couple of jobs I'm doing, though. Anyway, you only work part-time anyway. I work part-time as a teacher, but then part-time as a running coach and part-time as a podcast producer, which equals like 1.5 jobs. <laughs> and I'm a parent, and I've got to run 160Ks a week, which you guys don't know much about at the moment. That's true. Anyway, uh, I did say the eight, though. Bindiri Boya. She won... 203.1 Tess Kersop Cole was second in 203.15 and Sarah Billing she came home strong 203.5 but I'm feeling for Bindiri because the way her races are getting paced have been uh, did I send you guys a photo there was a you photo. sent a photo I sent a photo I, I took yeah. a screenshot of it with like maybe 450 meters to go the pace is like 30 meters in front of her she's gone to go with the pace a bit dropped off so she's 30 meters back and then there's a massive pack like 20 meters behind her and it's just like this girl's new to the event she's being told the pace is going to go a certain pace she tries to go with them and they go too fast and she blows or this you know she kind of dropped off she the pace was no value at all for her um and she was kind of caught in no man's land when the pace dropped out and then the pack tried to get her but she's got this ability to fight on and still win the races. So although it wasn't that quick, it was pretty impressive that she t- still took the W. And then Pete Bowl, all class in the men's. He won that in 146-1. Uh, James Preston was second from New Zealand, 146-3. And Brad Mathers, also the New Zealander, was third in 146-5. So a lot of, um, when you start thinking about Samuel Tanner there as well, a lot of success from the New Zealand boys in the 15s and the 8s. 
That's all I've got what, for results, boys. Why do you think Claudia Hollingsworth ran the 15, not the 8? Uh, no idea. Do you reckon she's a better 8 runner or a better 15 runner? Um, I think maybe 8 at the moment. Yeah. Just, I'm just wondering, like, hey, like what, how, what, how do you make decisions like that? What's the, because I don't really coach many track but athletes. I, but I think, like, often 800, like, depending on the type of runner you are, like, 8 and 15 aren't too far, you know, removed. Like, you look at somebody like Luke Matthews, like, he ran both the 8 and the 15. Yeah, yeah but, so, but, but how do you decide, though? So she's, she's 201 for 8 and 210 for, that was a PB for her, for the 15. Yeah. So maybe that's the decision. Let's get your let's get your fifteen hundred meter PB down. Yeah, she's only sixteen. I know it's wild. It's, when, it's, when you go to Idaho, she's the prospect. Sixteen. <laughs> she and she's is the prospect. Yeah. Bit, but, uh, jo- bit Georgie Clark. Like, remember Georgie Clark? Yeah. She was a Geelong girl, wasn't she? She, uh, yes, she was. Yep. Yeah. She was. I remember going to school sports. She was like a year above me or something, and. She was like the phenomenon yeah. during like two thousand Olympics. At, she was like sixteen or something when she went to the two thousand Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. She'd be a good interview, Croaks. You know her? Uh, I met her a couple of times. Met her at a uh, Zatapec, a pre-Zatapec dinner, actually. What? Yeah. What were you doing there? Oh, they had. Um, it was. Uh, when was it? It must have been some anniversary of Zat of the Zatapec meet, and they had like. The greatest race. Bruce McAvaney was there doing a, like a, a mock commentary of like the greatest ever ten thousand meter race of like through the generations. I remember so, that. Yeah. Um, so it was like the night before. Oh, you there as well, Moose? No, I just remember the. Um, I remember that 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 concept's pretty rare. Mm. And so um, I remember the. Hang concept. on, what was the race? It was like twenty. A... Oh, so it was like the greatest ten thousand meter race to have never happened. So basically. I don't know who wrote the script, but it was all the top 10K runners from all the different generations, and it was Bruce basically um, commentating that race. Really? That would so be was fascinating. A, a, fic, a fictional race. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, in yeah. My, so what happened at the end? Was it uh, was it Bikili beats Gebra Selassie over to guard on the line? I don't know. I reckon Clark was in there at some point too. Oh, oh wait. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So like Ron Clark was definitely in it, and I think Ron, Ron Clark was even at the dinner. I'm not was, sure though. That's a good question, but I'm not sure how Ron Clark fits there because didn't win a medal. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's like on a, um, it's on a YouTube. Gold medal. I found it. Ah, there you go. From 2011. Mm. Greatest Zatapec ten never run. Phantom yeah, call. So, so the Phantom Call minutes. was actually. I'll put it in the show notes. I think the Phantom Call though was 2000. Like it was 2010 was the was the dinner because it was my first Zatapec and it was the one. It was the last one at Olympic Park. Okay, someone just uploaded this, I think, in 2011. Yeah, oh, it's on Athletics okay. Victoria's page. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's oh. what I'm doing when we get off air. Let's <laughs> wrap this show up. <laughs> hey, uh, I, actually, you said hey, you, you knew Georgie Clark. Well, she was actually in a, um, in, a, in a class of mine when I went back to uni the second time at Victoria University. She was going back doing – I was doing like a nutrition degree. I think, I, I think she was doing a similar thing. Um, and and we did it was in like a physiology class so we did a one of those vo2 max tests or something um and the the lecturer knew exactly i think it was only him and i who knew who she was and and no one else really knew of course uh but he would always ask her questions about stuff 
and the rest of the class is like, why is this, Why does he keep asking her about like these um, exercise physiology questions and training questions and stuff? It was, it was quite it was like it was a pretty interesting um, dynamic. She yeah. made think, the semi in the Olympics when she was sixteen. Yeah, it was amazing. I think uh, yeah, because she's really good friends with Sean Crichton, so I think that was the that was the link. That's how I ended up sort of meeting her. Tear up, girls, because it's always hard. I've been trying to find like female interviews. I heaps of blokes lined up, but I need some girls. Yeah, I've got, a couple, I've, got another, I've got another one like that I've thought about, which I'll mention to you guys off air as well. Oh, okay. I like that. Mm. Doing some thinking. Um, that's the news. Listen to question, Bradley. All right. So this this one came in a little while mm, ago. It was um, before Sinead did Nagoya. Um, hey, lads, bit of a listener question. As you've spoken about previously, one of the most frustrating aspects of being an athletics fan is how hard it is to find any information about what people are up to slash training towards. You've essentially got to hope they've put it on their own social media unless we're lucky enough to have you ask them. With the World Champs slash Com Games both coming up this year, it would be great to get a bit of a rundown on what our main contenders for these spots are aiming towards in the coming months, particularly on the female side where competition for spots is going to be intense. I've picked up that Sinead is doing Nagoya and maybe Eloise, but it's hard to know about the others like Lisa, Ellie, Millie. Um, Similar with the men, we tend to hear what brett and jack are up to but is liam targeting a marathon in the next few months what about blokes like andy buchanan ed goddard and even reese edwards pretty bulky question and a big ask i know but some anticipation of what to look forward to can only be good i reckon huge problem for our sport massive problem funnily yeah. enough we talked about this today brady we did this listener question's been in i don't think we've done a listener question for maybe three weeks so no, this one has been from, ready that's from to daniel go. that's from daniel garner as well we did talk about this and i think it's you know, like major sporting codes, you know when your team's playing, you know when to get on the couch and watch them, you know when you're waking up in the morning excited that Collingwood's playing and things like that. Like, we don't have this in running if people keep stuff quiet. Um, but, yeah, but we know, like, Kipchoge's doing I know. this, and obviously Bikili's pulled out of New York, of course. You know, but we knew Craig he was Engels, great. when he didn't make the team for the U.S., Olympic team, I reckon he put on his social media like almost a, a tour poster. Like these dates, this is when I'm racing the next four oh, yeah. weeks. And I, I think that was really good because you're right, there's fair, well, Daniel's right, there's fans out there that want to be engaged in the sport. But, um, and I yeah. find with running as well, like the amount of like Chinese whispers that go around, and most of the time they're wrong. Like some of the stuff that hits my inbox, it's like, yeah, Lisa's going to do this, but then she's not actually doing that. Or Andy Buchanan's going to do this. And then, um, who was the other one in there? Uh, Reese Edwards. Like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Um, I had Strava actually the other day. Like, he, you know, he's running a lot of marathons back to back. Looks like his, his Strava's pretty much like gone dead. Like, he, he's done very little. So, I don't know whether he's injured or just taking a break. Millie um, Clark. I had no idea she was doing Paris until I saw that result last week. It's like, mm-hmm. this is our Australian Olympic marathoner from 2016. Just one. One Melbourne in a fast time. Like, this is a name that we should know. And then, and we're massive fans of the sport and you miss it. Do you reckon Paris Marathon would have announced it, though? Like, she would have been in the elite field for Paris, but yeah. not that we ever see the we're elite field get there. Well, we, yeah, we're not going to get a press release from them or anything, yeah. are we? So who's, but whose job is it? Is well, it like, is it the agent's job, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and and, like, does, and yeah. do you think the athletes like to keep it secret so their potential competition... For the spots, don't go to the same marathon. Um, no, I don't think that would they. You think they'd be that cagey about it? Well, I don't know because if I don't know if you go somewhere and you know that you know no other Aussie's going to be there and you have a good run, but if 
you go with another Aussie and that Aussie beats you at that race, that's not good for your selection chances. Yeah, I don't think. I don't, maybe, maybe when it gets right down to the selection stuff, but I think people will chase the time first over that. Did they we hear what first. Ed Goddard's doing in two weeks' time? I'm, no. I'm guessing you'll do Hamburg. Is that two weeks today? Two weeks yeah. weekend gone. Yesterday. Why don't I just? Why don't I send him a message? We'll see reckon, what he get. See if he I reckon, it, up. I reckon it's Hamburg. Well, how about we do a bit of research with all these names, and we'll see if we can cover some of the answers for next week's what, show. What's Andy Buchanan doing? I saw that he's over in uh, London. Just prepping for Jales Park, Andy Buchanan. <laughs> no, yeah. don't be. A, no, see, this is the bullshit. You play into the bullshit. He just talks about how bad it is, and then you're like, you're <laughs> in you the know. media. You know you're what he's in doing. The media, and you. <laughs> terrible by when, you. when i speak to andy as inside running brady and when i speak to him as like bendigo bats teammate brady are two different things Whatever, so when mate. he tells me something as inside running podcast brady i'll tell you i'll ask i'll have a chat and see if i can feed something in for next week's show so why do you think then he's wanting to wanting it to be secret no idea you'd have to ask him that's not for me to comment on oh, here we go brad this is no good here not because he's just on. had a crack at not at, at everyone being real quiet about it and then he's real quiet about it himself <laughs> that's not me to i'll tell you i'm always open about what races i'm doing see it's not the for thing me is to say. like anybody can follow andy on strava so it's like everyone can see that he's over in like running in richmond park today and it's like well you know, and he ran like what 180k a few weeks ago. So chances are he's going over there to run a marathon. Could be yep. a school teacher. Could be on school holidays. Just going for but, a trip. Are um, you happy to? Uh, are you happy to confirm that he's actually going over there to run a marathon though? Um, it's, I'm not. It's, I'm not Andy Buchanan. I'm not speaking for anyone. I just give Brady Trail for opinions on this show, and that's about it. So, Almost I got in there, Moose. All I know is he's ready for a big AVC season for the Bendigo Bats. So, um, yeah. After he takes his couple of weeks downtime after the marathon. But, yeah. Tell you what, this is this whole not telling anyone's got a heap of actual look at me about it. It's actually working in reverse, I think. I reckon he's chasing attention. He wants people <laughs> to ask him. That's what I'm right. Very popular runner. Got a lot of fans out there. So maybe just lessening the noise. Thinks he has way more fans than he actually does, actually, with all this, like, no, like, real hush-hush about his marathon. No, last year, I'm pretty sure I shared this with you. He was the most, the episode he was on was the most downloaded podcast episode for the year. Yeah, I said, he's him, his mum, his dad, <laughs> his sister. Big, big fans out there, the king of cross country in, in Victoria, in Australia. Anyway, Daniel, we haven't answered your question at all, but give us seven days and we'll come up with some answers for you. Uh, next thing, the New Balance 1080 version 12 shoe review. Moose, you're going to lead this off. We uh, got given a pair of these oh, probably two weeks ago. We got given a pair of two pairs of New Balance, didn't we, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks, the other pair. But start us off, give us the specs. What are we got to expect with this shoe? How many? We've had the last three versions through New Balance. Yeah. And this yep. one's changed a bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the shoe is very popular in the industry. It's New Balance's most cushion. Oh well, no, it used to be its most cushion neutral shoe. There is another shoe that sits above it in the cushioning department now, called the New Balance More. Um, but yeah, the 1080 sort of the mileage shoe for someone who likes a little bit more underfoot than the 880, which is a more stable, slightly less cushion version of this. Uh, so the the numbers get confusing with New Balance, but. Um, 1080 is the uh, premium cushioned neutral shoe. 
so you, we did have the last few versions and um uh, like I'll, I'll just compare it to some other shoes in the industry who like if, if you're out there running in some of these you might consider it as an alternative so an asics nimbus even an asics nimbus light uh nike vomero or perhaps even the invincible Saucony triumph brooks glycerin or maybe levitate uh hocker clifton it would be similar to what other brands are they? Mizuno Sky. So they, if you wear those shoes, this might be relevant for you. Uh, it's it, we, like I loved this shoe a few years ago. So 2019, I remember. Can't remember what number it was. Maybe the V10, maybe the V9. I just adored this shoe. I thought it was nearly perfect. Um, it's an eight mil offset, so it's not super high. It's not super low. That's pretty conservative. Uh, it's got a wider footprint, which gives more stability underneath compared to some of the other shoes it competes against. It's always felt like it has a pretty moderate fit, so neither really wide but super narrow, so it accommodates like a lot of foot types. Um, and it's felt really quite light and dynamic for how much cushion there is. That's that's the heritage of this shoe. The new one has changed slightly to that, so. New Balance in general, like a lot of their shoes at the moment are going bigger, bigger and more things on them and more of each thing. So for me, like one of the standout things for this shoe is it just like it has a more outer sole. So the, the rubber on the bottom of the shoe is thicker, which will give the shoe more durability, but it also adds weight to it. So this is a heavier version than the previous one. Um, to me, it has it feels a little poppier i think it has a little bit more fresh foam x in it compared to the last one and that's their like kind of bouncy training foam um so cushion wise it feels a little softer to me uh the footprint is broader especially at the rear foot so the last shoe was quite rocked both rear foot and forefoot felt like there was a rocker in both areas and this one is a lot more stable through the rear foot now i think it'll suit someone with more of a rear foot strike which is a lot of the population and maybe suit walkers a little more as well. Uh, not, the knit on the shoe is tighter, so I think you'll get better hold through the, the mid and forefoot. The last one was really flexible. If you're off camber, you would almost fall off the shoe to a degree, and, and it was no good for being out on the trails. Like People found it quite unstable because of that. The new one should hold you in a lot tighter, but it feels a bit thicker to me because of that. So again, maybe a little bit heavier feel. Um, the, the biggest change is the heel cup. That was the complaint that nearly everyone had about the previous version, the, the V11. And they've gone back to a traditional heel cup and instantly feels a ton better than, well, to me, it feels a ton better. There were some people that adored the, the heel cup on the last version, but it was a bit more niche. So this, this heel cup is a lot more popular with more people. Uh, it fits heaps more feet generally a lot better well received than the last one and yeah i haven't had any slip in mine so far i haven't i've got mine after <laughs> i stopped running so i've been wearing mine at work a lot so i can't give a lot of feedback on the on the ride running but it's something that i've i mean i've spent 10 hours in on my feet and i think the upper is really comfortable for that i noticed the i noticed it feels to me almost like a lower drop uh than 
than other shoes around it and i think that's due to the softness of the foam i sink a little bit into the rear foot when i'm standing there um, but that's that can be quite nice for someone who wants to um, i guess feel well like they're wearing less shoe than they are but yeah that, they're the differences so you guys tell me now how, how you how you feel in it you go first Chris, because you went we've done two different things i've done easy jogging like up to an hour in it but you've done a long run in it yeah, so my first run was just 30K straight out of the box at 401s. And um, the biggest issue I had with the previous version was um, the material from the heel cup, where that met the upper, it was a real sort of sharp V. Um, and that sort of used to dig into the side of the like my ankle bone on the outside. And I actually got like blisters there. So I had to put in an extra inner sole to boost my foot up a bit so that V wasn't digging in. So that's, that's completely fixed now. Um, I found it quite poppy, like, you know, as I copped shit earlier in the episode four for running 401s um, with like the last 5K, it's sort of 345s up a hill. Um, felt great doing it. And what I, what I love about these shoes is just how well I pull up from day to day in them. Um, and obviously that's to do with the foam. So yeah, like I said, I, I felt awesome Sunday afternoon when i went for a run even after 30k largely on the tr on the um on the road a lot of trust you're putting in a shoe for the long run first up out of the box do you know what yeah. i mean like you rate that shoe to do that i wouldn't do yeah. that if i didn't rate the shoe if it's not something i'd worn before and had success of that's success it. with yeah so if if the upper had been the same as the other one i probably wouldn't have because i knew i had issues with it rubbing um, on my ankle, but I looked at this one and I put it on, and it's got a lot more cushioning around the, um, yeah, around the ankle, and also it's it doesn't have that doesn't have that V anymore. It's more like a, just that traditional U shape there. Um, but yeah, like because I've had what the last three versions of it, like I'm pretty comfortable running a long way in them, and, and they are my they are my mileage shoe. So all of my long Wednesdays and my Sundays, this is this is what I use. Mm, interesting. Yeah, my feedback's the same. I much prefer this heel cup. I just felt the last one was a bit tight, like around my the bottom of my Achilles there. Um, and as most runners, probably, you know, tight Achilles and do the Achilles rehab exercise and all those things to try to avoid any Achilles injuries. So when that kind of started to flare up a bit with that old heel cup, I um, would spend less time in it. Whereas this one, I've been in it uh, three times um, so far and haven't had an issue at all and really enjoying that softness. I'm glad you said that, Moose, because I'd kind of made my notes here, which are a lot less detailed than yours, and that was one thing I had, that the foam was softer or felt softer, so I'm glad you backed that up. The other thing I thought was it a bit of wider toe box. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It definitely fits longer. Okay, and yep. I, And I think it fits wider as well. So, yep. yeah, absolutely agree with that. Probably the the length, though. Have you noticed that maybe you could have gone to a, a shorter size? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I haven't noticed that yet, but I haven't really chucked my toes at the end of the shoe or anything. But, yeah, maybe that's where my observation came from, that I was like, oh, something feels a bit different at the front here, and I was maybe thinking it was wider, but it could be longer as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a touch, touch yeah. longer, but I, like, I, I didn't have any issues with it. So would you no. say to people go half a size smaller moose? Or I, still... No, I wouldn't. No, I would, okay, I'll, yeah. If you're borderline, go to the smaller size. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. So good shoe. Looking forward to doing many more kilometres in it. It's definitely going to be in my rotation here going forward. Um, thanks to New Balance. And, yeah, go check out the 1080 V12. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week, rules of Strava. Well, I mean, I've... <laughs> 
I've, I've kind of given the purchase of the week away, sure. but can I, can I just tell people, everyone listening here is in running. You don't know how lucky you have it in running because you don't need to buy as much stuff as cycling. It is such a simple, cheap sport running because uh, like you can buy a pair of shoes, a pair of shorts, a pair of t-shirt, maybe a couple of shorts, a couple of t-shirts, and then you're pretty much set. I've got this bike and then I'm like, oh, I also need pedals. Well, there's hundred something bucks for some pedals. Oh, you, you've got to get shoes that fit the pedals or like bike shoes. Okay. Bike shoes. Got it. Well, you got to wear special shorts that have like padding to stop your gooch hurting so much. All right. They're bloody expensive. And then you wear like a t-shirt with pockets to put your stuff in. So there's a Jersey you've got to buy. Oh, your helmet. Of course you're buying a helmet. Of course you've got to buy a helmet then you look at the actual bike and you're like okay well what on the you got lights it's dark i gotta buy bike lights that shine up everything oh then you need a pump to pump your tires um what else is there spare tubes oh get i don't flat. even have if i get a flat i'm calling <laughs> i've just decided i'm like i'm not buying all that other stuff because i probably wouldn't know how to change the tire anyway so what's the point in buying it yeah. So I'm going to just make phone calls if I'm if I'm stuck out in the bush somewhere. But, yeah, it is such an expensive sport. It is unbelievable. And nothing's cheap. There's, like, nothing that's a low-cost cycling item. Everything is so expensive. And then, I like, I look back and go for running. I'm like, I actually don't remember buying, like, T-shirts for ages and shorts, like, last me three seasons. And it's almost a badge of honour to wear a worn-out pair of shorts. So... Yeah, this this cycling caper, and there's also a fashion element to it. Like you got to people people really try hard to put a look together with cycling, because there's, there's these brands now that are super hipster. Kind of reminds me of those real hipster running brands where you pay like two hundred bucks for a t-shirt or something, um, and they're the same t-shirt as like a fifty dollars shirt. Nobody pays that though, do actually, they? I, I, speaking of the look moves, I was actually going to comment. I saw a few Surf Coast. Uh, track club athletes in Canberra yesterday and they were looking good like they like the, the singlet they all had like the the half tights and the alpha mm. flies and all they all matched like it was all very color coordinated yeah is that, is that part of the part of the um ethos down there no well they're allowed to look they're pretty we are a pretty bunch of people like there's no <laughs> doubt we're good looking and we we're also quite fashionable but there's a difference between spending 200 bucks on a t-shirt and also looking good. The big difference. And you would have seen Kieran Payton. He was probably, oh, where was he sitting? Yeah, he was like in, in the top 10 sort of thing. Short fella, yeah. yeah. Went backwards real quick after about 30K. Um, <laughs> first marathon, that's look, what happened. Look, look good, though. Yeah. <laughs> GE looked good early too. He was really nailing it. Um, hopefully. Oh, if, you, if you need to coach, all of my marathoners pb All of them. All of them. Add seven. Seven PVs. I have to invoice him for this. He's dropped that in there in there about <laughs> forty times PVs. today. Gee, uh, that's not bad. You've been picking those good. beginner yeah. athletes up. No, they, most of them have been with me for a few years. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. But I guess it's a P, PB for him as well, if it's his first one. Is that what you're claiming out of these seven too? No, no, no. I'm saying that wasn't his. It was Kieran's. Kieran's first marathon. Yes, that's a PB. Yeah, two forty-four. He ended up with. Uh, probably faster than that. Like you, we, we, you would have hoped for faster than that, but that's good. Seven PBs. Impressed mm. by that. That is pretty rare. 
Yeah. I'm going to say that's almost like that'll never happen again. Yeah, I agree. I was in like turned to Viv the night before. I'm like, oh, you know, surely one of these guys won't have a race that they're happy with, but everyone crossed the line and w- was happy. So even the guy that missed three hours by five seconds. <laughs> mm, wow. All right. That was Moose on the loose perch of the week. Don't become yeah. a cyclist. Don't buy no, an no, overexpensive no. yeah. running kit unless it's from don't, a running company, Geelong. Yeah, don't yeah. get in, don't get injured running. So don't get injured to, running. So don't to That's go to cycling. The key. <laughs> yeah, and appreciate it when you're not injured. Yeah. Oh boy, it's going to be different coming back this next time. <laughs> Here's a question, boys. I just cancelled my gym membership. Is that a is that like terrible a, move? Is that a bad <laughs> omen? Is, does that mean like next terrible week? move? Started doing two workouts back to back together and then cancel that. Oh, I I just have not used it for so long. Um, yeah. So couldn't like, you claim it on tax or something for your coaching? Uh, possibly, possibly. I don't know. We got it for free. Uh, you should back off one of those runs and go to the gym instead. That's what you should do. Well, I figure my heel reps and my my strength. Oh, that is bullshit, though. <laughs> that is garbage. Well, it's been working so far, man. Oh, body's working, feeling yeah. good. Body's feeling good. I haven't run a marathon since 2017. 18. <laughs> if you had to bet, Moose, how many weeks do you reckon this will last? Would you go probably? Two, two, I'm going to say nah, seven. Six? It's going to accumulate, and then in seven, bang, he's gone. He retires again. <laughs> When's that? Uh, no, Sydney Ten's only like two weeks away, isn't it? Uh, I think it's three weeks. Is it? I think it's three three weeks. Just gone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So it'll be two weeks this Sunday. I like him up and about, Brady. Oh, it's much easier. To I do wanted a show to with, stay though. I wanted to stay up and about, but I'm just scared for him because he's making some so bad I. calls so right I. now. I. Yeah. Anyway, what's coming up? Boston Marathon and Stall Gift both next Monday. Got Michael Roger in action over there. And I should mention, at Stall, they've got that women's 1K. Katrina Bissett, Lyndon Hall, George Griffiths, that handicap. So that's going to be worth watching. They're going to be the real stars watching that event. So um, that will be good. Other than that, I don't have anything else coming up. What are you boys doing? Moose? Oh. Selling shoes? Yeah, back to work. Hustling? You're not coming to uh, watch stores. I heard you talking on shoe yanks that you wouldn't be coming over. Yeah, mate, public holiday wages. Just close you... the shop for the day. No, no, no. Hey, if I win, gotta... can you have this sash in the new store? How big are the sashes? Not real big. You can fold them up and stuff. I'll frame I'll it, it, sign it. I'll put it in my office. I'll put it up in my office. Office. Is that also not, the toilet? Not out the front. In your office. You don't have an office. You can, put out the, you can put it out the back in the office. No, no. Yeah, I'll put it back there. You yeah. can go there with my Geelong Half Marathon finish finish line tape. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Brad, what are you doing? Uh, a couple of sessions. Easter. Um, Hard long run? Nah. Easy this week. Easy. Easy. Four five. Five years of climbing. I might, do a, I might do a hard mulligans loop on Good Friday. I'll see. I'm up, up to it. As, as my sort of hard hit out before Sydney 10. Means nothing. But now you've scared me. Now you've now I feel like I've overtrained. I need to do nothing for the rest of this mm. week. <laughs> yeah, that's a high risk getting into doing hard tempos around there. There's rocks. There's hills. Yeah. Just play it safe. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Charlie Hunter, part two. This talks about his Olympic campaign, qualifying for the Olympics, going to Tokyo and onwards. Um, and that's with Luke Matthews. We've also put out over the weekend uh, Jeff Risley's exit interview. So I caught up with Jeff last uh, Thursday night. Yeah, last Thursday night. And we went for like two hours talking about all his career. Obviously, he's been to like four Olympics. Um, is highly ranked in his PBs 
from uh, 800 and 1500 and the Australian 1K record holder. So that's kind of like a standalone episode. Wherever you get your podcast from, you'll be able to listen to that one. Massive thanks to Jeff for giving up that amount of time and his honesty and, yeah, opinions on all things in the sport. And also on Patreon at the moment, you have access to the Ollie Hoare interview, which will be coming out on Wednesday the 20th of April for the um, yeah iTunes Spotify people. So if you want to be on Patreon, you also get early access to that. Caught up with him on Saturday, which was good. We got like 24 hours notice to uh, do that interview and we just managed to pull it off. So a massive thanks to my wife for moving a few things around on the weekend so I could do that one. Nothing more we need to say, boys. No, just good uh, luck. Good luck at stall. Thanks, mate. It's been so good we'll, being on so this we'll journey with you. Next Monday, straight oh. off the bat, straight ah. off the back of that, or we won't be. Mate, if, next... I, if I win the second sash at stall, you won't hear from me for like three or four days. I'll be on a bender. <laughs> you will not. No, you won't. I won't hear anything. So, so yeah, we, we may not be recording next Monday. There might not be an episode for the next couple of weeks. So <laughs> they've definitely they've definitely done everything in their power to get you that win. Mate, you can can only do what you. Whatever you get, you can only run off your handicap. Well, if you win, we'll just bring Christian back for a couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I could be on a panel with you two anymore, like a two-time. Actually, Nita said to me, if you win at stall twice, it's worth two hours 13 for a marathon. Hey, aren't they um, unveiling something with they're putting the names of all of the winners from the Herb Hedeman up? Oh, yeah. They did say that in that email, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So your name will be up there. My name will be up there, yeah. Yeah, this race has been going 140 years, the stall gift. I'm not sure how long the Herb Hedeman's been going, but um, it's, yeah, you guys are missing out. I can't believe you can't, you're not going after all this. But anyway, see you, boys. We're done. See ya. Good luck. See you later. Thank you. You want to say good luck too, Moose? I need your, your confidence in me. <laughs> all the best. Thank it's you. not about luck for you, Brady. Exactly. Just ex- the execute the plan. See you, boys. See ya. If New Balance only made one running shoe it would be the 1080. It is their best running shoe, period. This shoe is unique in that this top of the line perspective is executed with maximum versatility in mind, making this performance shoe applicable to a wide range of users. The V12 can be viewed as a natural evolution of the 1080 signature qualities. The smooth transitions of the pinnacle underfoot cushioning experience are fine tuned with updated midsole mapping, which applies more foam to wide areas of the midsole and increases flexibility at the narrower points. The ultra-modern outlook is also reflected in the 1080's upper construction. The shoe also offers a supportive second skin style fit with an engineered hyper-knit upper for a more streamlined overall design. Bro, I didn't appreciate it maybe until I think I was just on the rankings like a couple of months later, um, probably checking out how far I've slipped down because I was once sixth. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember. So when you ran 144.35, you were second at the time behind Deng. You jumped Ralph DeBell, jumped Jeff Risley, who, you know, Jeff Risley was, um, you know, someone you looked up to. Um, you jumped me. How you looked up to as well. Yeah, Alex Rowe. So some some pretty big names. Um, and obviously with how Pete ran at the Olympics, you're now third. So I just I, yeah, I just felt like it maybe just didn't get the maybe it just didn't get the appreciation of of how good it was at the time. But obviously you were ultimately rewarded by qualifying 
for the Olympics and then getting selected. So, um, so yeah, just, just, and, and that was, yeah, your first major, first major championship. And, and now it's your one of two now that you've gone to world indoors. Um, just run me through like the Olympic experience, like, you know, going to Tokyo, what it was like in the village, what it was like, um, what it was like with no crowds. And then also at the same time, um, what it was like competing because, uh, you ended up making a semi-final and, 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 you know, really holding your own. Um, but yeah, you've never raced a championship like that. And also you're in a, you're in one of the best, probably the best stadium in the world with not with, you know, what a hundred people in the crowd of just teammates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think something that most people don't know is after that, I ran 144. I actually, um, strained my calf and I, I didn't yeah, really shit, run I didn't know that. before. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think it was probably a month between when I ran the time and, you know, on the plane to Tokyo. And, uh, I, I'd, I'd like strained my calf mid race and I felt it, but the adrenaline kind of got going. I didn't really feel it. I went to cool down. It was bugging me. I went to go do like a little post race workout and I, I had to stop because my calf was cramping up and, um, it was kind of cool. I was walking, walking back home. It was fine. But the next day I couldn't run and you might know this, but like around pre-Fontaine, they resurface pre's trail. So it's really squishy. Okay. You know no, I didn't, I, didn't, they, I didn't know that, but yeah. They, they always re relay pre's trail. So it's super, super squishy. So I think I probably strained my calf, but I did a couple runs and I like pretty well I wouldn't say tore it, but I, I severely damaged my calf. So I was in a pool for three weeks before wow. Tokyo. Okay. Um, I actually, I made a post on it. Actually, you can see me, I'm running in a pool and I was in a pool twice a, twice a day for 45 minutes, just aqua jogging. And I couldn't really do much. So not ideal prep, but I was, I was lean. I was ready. Um, yeah, you looked fit. <laughs> I, I just had to make do with what the circumstances were. I think by the time, I should probably say I had about a week, maybe a week of workouts of running uh, before Tokyo. Uh, and I, I wasn't the best prep, but I still I was able to get some good running in and uh, come Tokyo, I was ready to go. But again, as soon as you land in Tokyo, the way the village was set up, it was all concrete. Mm-hmm. It was just a, it was a city. There was no soft surface. There was no real treadmills. And uh, you just had to run on concrete footpaths pretty much. And unfortunately, with the flight and like the first run in, I kind of buggered my calf up again. <laughs> I was still able to run, but I, I I strained it again. So I was on the tables every day, just trying to keep on top of it. But the the heat went pretty good. Um, maybe got a little bit of bad luck. Uh, I got tripped up a little bit coming off into the home straight, so I didn't automatically qualify. But I had a good crack and ended up progressing based off of time, made the semi, um, good momentum kind of going in. I was really confident. I was rooming with Pat Tien and, and like the infamous Pat Tien and race. Yeah. Um, that actually really inspired me to just give it your all. And uh, I actually wrote him a letter after because he came back late that night and said, hey, mate, what a fantastic effort out there. You know, you've really inspired me to go, go my hardest tomorrow. And I did. Um, again, a little bit of bad luck with the push and shove found myself up front and probably juiced me up a little bit too much come come the like the crunch time of the race but I put myself in it and unfortunately I was just 
I was just a bit fried, you know, mentally I was there, I was engaged physically and everything, but it was a long, long season for me. And just when it counted, I was just, I was left on my feet. I was just really tired and it wasn't the best race, my last 200, but whatever it is, it is what it is. I finished, I finished my first Olympic experience really happy with, you know, giving it my all. I left no regrets. I didn't sit back and fade. I was actually at the front for a couple Oh, yeah, uh, 600 of an of a Olympic semi-final, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. So I took a lot away from it, um, but of course wanted a little bit more. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like I think, I don't even know if it's ever happened before, but having three men's 800 meters in the semi-finals um, and then, uh, you know, Jeff got a little bit caught back by the fall of Amos and Jewett, who we were actually talking about before, but, um, but yeah, you and you and Pete ended up being kind of the the aggressors, like the people that were at the front trying to push the race. So I mean, great to see for viewing, and it definitely did make you proud. Like being being an Australian in an event you enjoy, in an event you're in, seeing the seeing you guys give the best. So absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, like, was there? And I, I really don't want to make like the Olympics a sour note. Um, because like you said, it was a positive, but was there ever an idea, like, was there a moment at all where you were like looking up at the crowd being like, Oh fuck, like I wish these were full or was there ever, or like, you know, maybe having your family there because, um, I mean, back at home, it looked great, but, um, from everyone back back competing there, it just said it was like a bit of a weird feeling. Was it? Yeah. Like you knew, you knew that you're in an empty stadium, but I think that actually worked to me as I mentioned. I don't do fantastic in those big crowds and the really stressful environments. It's already stressful enough. Got to get enough, used to it though. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like you got to get used to it. Um, but that, I think that actually helped, worked in my favor, not having a huge crowd. Um, so I, I think I kind of liked it, but um, you knew, you knew it was an empty stadium for sure, but you also knew that there were millions of people watching online. Like that was the first time I had actually thought about that like thinking there's a ton of people watching this online right now, even though there's no one here, you know, there's a lot of eyeballs on me. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Incredible. Um, and yeah, like, was it, was the village everything that you'd expected it to be? Like, I mean, I feel like the village was probably one thing that was very, pretty similar to most other, most other Olympics in the sense that it was still filled full of, I don't know how many people go to the Olympics, 50,000 people or whatever it is. I don't know. That's just a guess. I'm probably way off there, but was it, was the Olympic like village experience what you'd expected and did it live up to everything you've read about or heard about? Uh, I think um, from what I've heard, it's, it's a pretty wild environment. It can almost be a bit too much. Is that, is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty wild once I comp- finished competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah. it was, I don't know. It felt pretty tame before competition. So I don't know. Maybe I was just more of a recluse and just eating when I had to and leaving the apartment when I had to. But, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say the same. I think when you're in that, when you're in that environment and you're in the zone, like, you know, you're pretty, you've got the blinders on. So I was like that. Um, I think it was pretty structured and uh, restrictive. Like I, I, I can't imagine it's what a normal Olympics is like because of all the mask mandates and yeah. all the restrictions. You couldn't leave 
the village. So I can only imagine it was not the, the, the real Olympic experience, but it was still pretty cool, you know, like yep. to be in that environment, it's hard to replicate. Um, yeah, no, it is pretty special. Um, I remember Cole was in the US building, which was just across the way from me. So we'd meet up for most dinners and I was, I'm someone that I think really likes structure and what's comfortable. And for me, that was being with my teammates. So it was really cool that Cole was right there. So I just tried to replicate what these college meets, these college meets were like, and we'd have dinner together at college. So I just tried to do that at Tokyo. So yeah. I just kind of stay in my room, meet up with Cole as most I could and just chill out. Yeah. 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 Awesome. No, it's, 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 I think that's the big thing with people traveling overseas is that, um, you know, a lot of people go to Europe and you leave your comfort zone and it's fucking hard to adjust. And it's, it's hard to get into a flow when you, you know, you're used to sleeping in a, you know, it's, and you're talking about luxuries, but you're at home, you're, you're in your, you know, you're in your own queen size bed or king size bed. You, you know, the cafes, you know, when to go to gym, you know, how to get to training, what have you. And then you go to these other places and it's like, all right, I'm in the middle of a European town or I'm in the middle of Tokyo Olympic village um, but it was nice that you were able to have that normality and that structure, even at the, the place, which is, you know, like where you're meant to peak and where you're meant to perform. Um, so yeah, finished with, as an Olympic semi-finalist, uh, 144.3 on the resume. Um, and I felt like you followed a, the normal trajectory of a, of an athlete going pro, um, was that you ended up, you know, signing a professional contract with Nike. And uh, you joined the Union Track Club, which, I mean, without, I feel like it's, you know, maybe has a bad name, but it was kind of, you know, the natural progression of what was the, the Oregon project, um, you know, that, that, that coached the likes of Sensuitz, Mo Farah, Galen Rupp, um, Pete Julian, who was the assistant to Alberto, then pretty much started the Union Track Club. Um, and now you're training along the likes of Craig Engels, Donovan Brazier, Jessica Hull, um, you know, arguably one of the most famous groups in the world. Um, so what was the process like, say, let's say you tail end of August, you think you want to go pro. What was the process like with one, getting the contract, two, joining a, joining a group like Union and, the, um, and, and third, were there other, any other groups that you were considering going? Because I know there is other Nike groups or was there potential where, I don't know, maybe you joined Adidas and joined another group or what have you, but what was the, um, I suppose, what were the other opportunities you had? Yeah. Um, oh, and also uh, as well, was there, was there ever an aspect as well where you were like, hey, let's sign with Nike or let's sign with Adidas, New Balance, whatever, and was there ever a situation in your mind where you'd potentially stay with Ben Thomas like what Cole and Cooper has as well? So I've, I've kind of I just given you four questions. So try just uh, remember them. <laughs> I'll unpack that. Uh, so the discussions to turn pro were probably initiated in the indoor season. Um, I think I'd even kind of at that time I'd spent three years at Oregon. I'm also a little bit older than the team. Uh, so as much as I enjoyed Oregon, I think I was kind of wanting a bit more of a professional setup and a bit more autonomy over what I do and just that professional life. I was, I was looking for that. So the discussion started um, with 
the big man has. I think I even reached out to you. I was like, hey, any uh, recommendations on who to go with? It was established that Haas was a really good bloke and I wanted to go with him. Um, early discussions on brands. I was a, I'm a Nike guy through and through. I, I was always hell bent on Nike. Um, <laughs> so Nike was heavily weighed. And like, I, I really said to him, look, we're going to go Nike, but let's, uh, I was also open to other offers, but I was really, really confident on Nike. So, so if, so if, if someone else had, it, had it offered you an exorbitant amount, you know, another brand, would you have potentially gone that or was it, or were you still happy to take Nike for whatever money it was? Uh, it, it just depends on the setup. I, from day dot, I said money wasn't my deciding factor. It was where I'm going to be happy, confident, and where I can keep improving. And I'll, I'll be honest, there were, there were bigger offers out there, but I just felt they weren't the best fit for me at the time. And I just felt like Pete was, disregard how cool Nike is. I just think that Pete was a great coach. I think the opportunity to train with Donovan Brazier is, you know, invaluable. And Craig Ingalls, I think it's a great squad. And I think it was just the best fit for me. Money wasn't a key factor. If it was, I probably wouldn't have gone with Nike. But um, it was just for me, holistically, Nike was the best fit. Um, not, to, not, not to say I didn't entertain other offers because there were other great teams there. But to me, I was kind of hell-bent on Nike. So it was pretty clear from, from early on. Um, Pete kind of entered the discussion in indoors. Uh, most, I guess most Oregon guys uh introduced to some nike guys pretty early on if you're kind of at that level so uh jess i think reached out to me and said hey you know pete really likes the look of you um you know we've got bra on you uh so yeah some discussion started kind of early on it was just discussions and just a bit of communication went along when it was clear that nike was kind of on board uh, pete was also on board so the two are separate i i believe um First, the coach needs you and the brand needs to want you. And the two are kind of mutually exclusive. Um, it is a long process, but I think that's pretty standard for most brands. But I kind of had a bit of urgency about me because I just kind of wanted it to happen now. And and I was getting frustrated because I, that's just not how it works. I think it, it, I think these things take time. And, but I was, I, was, I was really wanting this to kind of happen pretty quick. Um, as for the coaching, um, it was a tough decision because that option I believe was there to stay with Ben and Ben was really working. And I, I had no queries about being with Ben, but I just felt that if I wanted to keep improving and make that next step up, I needed to change something. And I wanted a bit more autonomy over having the freedom to go to altitude camps and, ensuring that I'm being trained for what is best for me, not what's best for not being influenced by what's what college kids are doing. And I kind of wouldn't mind having the freedom to be based somewhere else than Eugene, Oregon and things like that. And it's just, there's a, there's pros and cons to both Ben and Pete, but I just feel like in the long run, Pete is a really good option. And I think it's, it's the best bet for me to keep improving and, and be competitive on that international stage because that's what's that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to I want to get a bit of hardware by the by the time I end this career. So yep. I think Pete's the best bet for that. Yeah, I mean it's an easy sell. I mean, like 
you, you know, you, you, you go there and you've got, you know, one of the best 1500 meter USA athletes. Um, and you've also got, um, you know, the world champion in the 800 and then the female team is incredibly, um, good as well. Like, and I, I'm pretty sure as well. Um, I think Jessica Hull was in a similar situation too, just from what I've heard is that, um, yeah, there was probably bigger offers out there. There was different groups that would have thrown a lot of cash in her, but she was pretty set on Pete. And obviously what came with that with Nike was Nike as well. So, um, yeah, it seems like you two just were, were pretty, pretty direct in what you wanted. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's for Jess, it's worked out. Um, you've been pro for, you know, let's call it six months or so. And, um, you've already made a team and I'm sure that you're going to, going to get some hardware, some finals and, um, some records in the process. Um, I think the thing for me, and I'd like to think that a lot of people have this curiosity too, but you know, I'm certainly curious about, about Pete Julian and Oregon project slash, you know, what is now the, the union union athletic club or track club, or we'll just call it union. Um, can you just run me through similar to how I asked you initially about Ben Thomas and the team, but one, what's the dynamic training with, you know, a 334 guy in Engels and also a 142 guy with, with Donovan Brazier. And then also like, if it's, you know, what, what, what is a, a normal week and, and, and what are some differences from the union to, you know, maybe one, the, the Melbourne track club and also the Oregon track and field team. Mm. Um, I think specificity, uh, although Ben, from a workout standpoint, Ben is very specific and Pete's probably not specific in that regard, but what I'm doing is very specific to me. What Donovan is doing is specific to him and Craig for him. So whereas with Ben, it was everyone does the same stuff. I'm now being trained almost individually Okay. Uh, with but we're all meshed together to do workouts together and things like that. But we're all doing different things, which I think is really cool. Um, <clears throat> from a training standpoint, I, I don't think you can get more specific than Ben because <laughs> yeah. it was almost too much. So it's probably a bit more generic in that, like, you know, I don't know, like eight, four hundreds, that kind of stuff, like just hit a split, eight, four hundreds, 200 recovery kind of stuff. Um, uh, there's a lot more autonomy with what I do. So, uh, well, currently I'm based in Australia, so I'm, I'm totally solo. But even when I'm back in the States, I'll just be meeting up for workouts. So I'll still be doing, if I want to do 10 miles on a Monday, I can do 10 miles on a Monday. If I want to do my gym session on this day, I can do it. It's just a bit more free, um, which is nice. Um, and you're also, you're also, you've all, you've got, the freedom to do more things if i want to go home for three weeks i can do that if i want to go to altitude pete can support me to do that um it's just a bit more freedom which i think i really like but with regards to the training environment um this is where i can improve most i think um donovan more so than coop and cole is fiercely competitive not to mention he's incredibly talented but his focus on what the task at hand is his um competitiveness to like just push you and workouts is something that i can keep that that i can improve on so that's something that really drove me to join the team and then craig is just an incredible personality who's just great he's kind of like you he's very bright and bubbly and 
he's just a good guy to be around. And I have a tendency to be pretty focused and monotonal and go into a bit of a deep, dark hole. And he brings me out of it, which I like. So it's a good environment to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, just like for where you're at now, like, yeah, just as I asked before, rough mileage of, uh, of a, of a solid week, um, how many workouts and, and the one thing I've heard as well is that, um, I, maybe this was from, maybe this was from someone who heard it from Jess, um, was that your group, um, the sessions are, are pretty hard, like really hard. And then the jogging is apparently super, super easy. So yeah, maybe just, um, comment on that. Um, and then also the um, other questions about the, the mileage and um, and the sessions. Yeah, so mileage, I'm hitting about 70, yes. 75 maybe, so miles. So that would be about, what, 120? About 120? Um, yeah, I think 80s, 128, isn't it? So, yeah, it'd be about 120, yeah. Yeah, about, I hit around 120. Yeah. Um, which is something new. I might have got that conversion wrong. So if the listeners don't don't hurt me, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's yeah, it's roughly one fifteen, one twenty, something like that. Yep. Um, which is different to me. I don't I never counted miles with Ben. It was just kind of everything was so structured, you didn't have to count miles, you just did the specific workout. Yeah. Whereas now Pete'll give me mileage for the week and workouts, and you fill in the gaps. Okay. So that's a big adjustment for me. Um so the mileage, I feel like I could maybe do a little bit more, but I'm just I'm kind of like when I joined Ben, you just kind of got to understand the training and get used to it a bit. Uh, and that's reflected in my racing a little bit. It's, I'm obviously not hitting my straps like I did last year. And my only hope is that if I give it a bit more time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay dividends. And it's already starting to kick in. I, I, I definitely turned a corner this weekend at Aussie Champs. I'm racing a little bit more like myself. Um, and I'm just getting used to the training a little bit more. So roughly 120 Ks a week. Um, workouts are intense. Um, there's a, they're, they're a bit more short and sharp and you got to be on for the specific rep. Whereas Ben, it was kind of like a long kind of, it was a huge workout where there would be active recoveries and speed play and yada, yada, yada. Whereas Pete's a bit more like, all right, we're going to hit, um, four by a K in two thirty-five. Yeah. It's got to be on one workout. We did up at Chula Vista um, in the preseason, Craig Donovan and myself, we ran four by K 500. So K uh, 400 recovery and then a 500 and the K's were in like two thirty-five, and the 500s were in 70, 75, 72. And that was a tough, tough workout. Oh, um, you're going through 61, 62, or 62s for the K, and then you're going through the 400 in like 58, 59, 58, yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, right. that, was, that was a windy ass day. Yeah. And we have some spectators there, so they can vouch for us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the workouts are pretty tough, um, pretty intense. Um, so yeah, that that's part of the course though. Everyone everyone does hard workouts at this level. Um, was there anything else you touched on? Um, yeah, I think like I think it's like the thing I've heard is like the training are like more polarized. So like sessions are hard and jogging is easy, um, which I think goes back to that kind of like eighty twenty or twenty eighty approach. Is that is that something that you've noticed? Like is the jogging like is it an emphasis on going easy? 
Um, that's that's individualized, but yeah. that that is something I've really tried to work on. Um, I developed that last year. That was a big turning point for me. It was like, look, you need to really chill on the easy runs. Yeah. And that's something I love to do. I typically go solo on recovery days and just put some music on and I go slow and then I tell myself to go a little bit slower. Um, So for me, that's, that's my approach, but I don't think everyone has that approach, but that's what I do. Um, I remember, I remember seeing Pat Tiernan run past my house one morning and he was absolutely crawling. And I thought if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, And yeah, you're hitting three sessions hard and, um is there like a a split of like you know speed endurance strength and like top end aerobic or is it um or is it just kind of dependent on the year on the time and the season i'm still pretty fresh with ben uh pete uh i wouldn't i haven't been with pete for six months i've been with pete for probably three months oh right yeah it's not long at all um but i would say yeah typically periodization works as the base phase we're going to do more strength-based workouts that probably range between eight to 10 K around that threshold threshold work with um, an emphasis on just uh, low intensity heat. That was something I noticed at Oregon. You, you kind of like always on, whereas Pete in the early base phase, I was itching to get going. Like he really kind of held me back in that base phase. Um, but there's always kind of, that emphasis on the, I think when we hit the track, we hit the track really hard. And the main, I think there's far more emphasis on speed endurance than kind of that threshold work at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a bit early to say for me to like really give you a blanket statement on Pete's stuff because I, I really haven't been there that long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like we're just slowly getting to the tail end of this podcast. I mean, it has gone for a little while, but um we've kind of gone down a few rabbit holes but um yeah it's april of it's april of a of a of a huge year you've got world champs and then commonwealth games two weeks later um you've just finished second at the national championships um you have a qualifier do you have you qualified i think i i I don't think i have one at the moment i think i just missed the qualifying period so uh, i think i need to get something yeah okay so yeah pretty much what are your plans just for the just just until you pretty much um get to the next major plan is now to run brisbane um sounds like pete's setting up a pretty quick race so that'd be a good opportunity to get the time whilst i'm fit uh and then i i think i need a bit of downtime uh, i've been going for a little while so plan is to race brizzy chill for a week or two and then uh, head back to the States and do some altitude, probably head up there for about four to five weeks and then uh, do some domestic races, I guess. Um, hopefully I get the time at Brizzy and that should really kind of solidify my spot for comms and world champs. And then it's just kind of get, uh, get ready for that. Uh, I think the goal for me is make that final and be competitive um, and com games do the same just be competitive be be engaged be be ready to race hard and chase some medals sure it's awesome very exciting um but yeah i think if you run a time and you got the second at the national championships i think it's pretty hard to to not select you um 
So, yeah, pretty exciting year ahead. Um, I mean, it's just awesome for you as well. You've got a home, essentially a home world championships, um, the place where you went to college, uh, and then you head over to Europe like pretty much a week later and you've got a Commonwealth game. So it's an exciting year. Um, and, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 I feel like when you joined the, when you joined MTC in 2016 and 2017, I felt like, um, yeah, you, you kind of confided in me a little bit and I feel really fortunate enough that I've been able to, to see your career and your path to being a, you know, a kid that didn't really know his way in the professional game to now being one of our best middle distance athletes and, um, you know, being a part of the best training group and living out his dream. So, um, yeah, thanks for the interview. Thanks for letting me be a part of your career in a very small way. And um, I think my, myself personally and and uh, the rest of the listeners are, are really excited and rooting you for you for the for the rest of the season and the rest of your career. Yeah, thanks for having me, Luke. A fantastic interview and look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. If New Balance only made one running shoe, it would be the 1080. It is their best running shoe, period. With fine-tuned underfoot cushioning and an overall streamlined look, the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 represent a subtle but impactful evolution of the flagship Fresh Foam running shoe. The 1080 offers a supportive second skin style fit with an engineered hypo knit upper for a more streamlined overall design.